Crown him king, crown him king in La La Land. And who will make the final four? This and much, much more next. Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. Welcome back here to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, folks. Wherever you're streaming us live, media platforms from Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are, the Sebi Podcast Show is wherever you go. My here with my ride partner, Michael Great. I was with without us last week, but we were praying for you, my man. We were praying for you, my man. Where were you? We missed you on the air last week. Yeah, no doubt, man. Auntie was in the hospital, man. I had to check on her real quick. She's doing good, though. She's in good spirits. Uh, I, I think she's going to be good. Matter of fact, I know she's going to be good. We're going to keep that keep that good energy out there, man. I have been, I was doing great. But ain't, ain't no fear. Like I said, y'all, y'all held it down, man. That was that was one of the best shows we, ever of all time. So it, it's, you know, we, we, had, we, we had some good people to hold it down for us. That was one of our best shows as well. I won't state names or anything, but... Uh, somebody out here told me that we might have to uh, capture that guy and re- recruit him before uh, some <laughs> other large network, <laughs> some right. other large network scoops him up uh, there for sure. But an outstanding episode last week with Mitchell, Mitch from Mitch and Mike, of course. I told him that, you know, I got a little problem, man. You, He's using you. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, man, he's uh, he great folks, man. We grew up together, and we've always had a passion for sports. And he's just somebody I knew would be able to fill in the shoes and, and do a great job. And that he did. He he that he did. He did an amazing job. And y'all did an amazing job, Guru. Everybody, it was uh, it was a great show. I loved it. Yes, indeed, as well. Guru knows all. Apparently, that's what they say there for sure. But outstanding, folks. If you haven't listened to our previous episode, definitely and stream that in all social media platforms world wide around a dozen distributions in different platforms the sebi podcast show it's wherever you go there for sure i want to start off today mike um with a little story i want to share so a, a good friend of mine in, in the sports industry is jamel hill we all know who jamel is uh from uh mike and jamel a show that was on air on espn a couple years back i think they, they took it down because of uh, uh something that she stated that was um, not to be provoked or anything like that on air. Yes, we know what happened. Yes, right. brought her out, gave her um, a nice little pension, and now she started off her own thing uh, with the podcast. And, and, you know, me and I, J- Jamel and I had the pleasure of meeting in 2018, actually. Random, right? We, we met at a, <laughs> at a movie spot. We were going to the theaters, and I met her there. And, um, you know, caught up and 
definitely uh, told her about the podcast show and she stated that that's something that in the near future she was going to do as well which she's ha- which she has now in unbothered um i by the way i recommend that for everybody but uh, unbothered i mean it is just on another platform uh on another stratosphere what she's got going on there but nevertheless you know um we had a great time and i was on unbothered driving in couple uh, i think it was a couple days ago and she had damon john on as a guest now we know all know who damon john is Mm -hmm. former uh you know top shark you know from shark tank and the obviously the inventor of fubu everybody know fubu i had me a pair of fubus as well when i was young so Mm -hmm. (laughs) as well and um also kuji as well and so she had him on um talk about entrepreneurship and things like that and something that stood out to me is uh, she talks about her days uh, getting the opportunity to talk to Magic Johnson. Now, we all know about Magic Johnson as a ball player, but what an extraordinary businessman he is outside of the hardwood as well. And so uh, there was a story that she spoke about with Magic Johnson as a young rookie entering the league at 79, you know, from Michigan State, number one overall pick. And uh, at that time, endorsements weren't what they are now. And so... Magic explains a story that she ex- she's explaining on Unbothered and tells her that um, at, at 79, as a young rookie, a lot of endorsements coming left and right. You know, you had Converse. That was big and back in those days and, and stuff. But Magic states there was a young, young and up-and-coming uh, market and up-and-coming endorsement company called Nike at the time. But the main thing was Converse, right? And so... He explains and says that, you know, hey, Nike approaches him and said that, hey, we got a deal here for you, uh, Magic. You know, if, if, if you could hold it down here with us, we'll give you 5% stocks, 5% stocks. But Magic was like, you know, young 19-year-old rookie in L.A., you know, probably the most historic franchise in American history, if not one of them, says that, no, nah, I want to go where the money at. And so Converse, obviously, at the time, you know, you had Bird in it. You had Oscar. You had all the greats, Dr. J, along with Converse, and said, that I'm going to go where the money's at. But till this day, Magic goes every time Magic sees Jamel, and, and he walks past the Nike stores. He's like, man, there's a little frown on his face. Because had he stayed at Nike, he would have been the most prestigious athlete of his era on Nike. And, and obviously, we know, you know, MJ – became the first and trickled down to now LeBron James and stuff like that. But that kind of, that, that kind of stood out to me on unbothered. I recommend that episode for everybody. Uh, but that kind of stood out to me, you know, it, it, it's, it's not how you start. It's, it's not how, or, or what the company offers you. You just got to start somewhere. And, and those that are devalued and those are that are overlooked are always the ones that have a chip on their shoulder. And, and, and that's the little segment I wanted to start off today, Mike. Yeah, no doubt. And, and it also shows that, you know, trusting in yourself and believing in yourself is the true key power that you always have. And Magic Magic saw where everybody else was going. He saw where the high price dollars was. But he didn't he didn't know or recognize or even see where Nike would be today or years years to come down the line. So uh, it's, it's one of those decisions that, you know, a, a young 19, 20-year-old kid, those are tough decisions for them to make, especially when they haven't been prepped on financial literacy and things of that nature. So, yeah, it was it, it, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough situation. But, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> Magic, 
Magic's doing pretty fine. He's definitely bounced back on numerous occasions. Oh, yeah. Well, we can say he's, he's doing very much well uh, now. But it, it was just, just ironic to me that every time Magic passes a, a Nike store, what could have been yeah. or, what, <laughs> or yeah. what should have been there as well. And, and, and Jamel Hill on Unbothered speaks about that. I reckon, Matt, for any of our viewers, any one of our listeners, folks, Unbothered, streamings on all social media platforms and all distributing platforms much like us here today um there was a game we'll go back to our weekend observation here there was a game in la la land and uh, a far far away land and this is where we start off in this week's segments folk he has the you telling me these guys aren't aware lebron james and anthony davis that's where we start off this week's mic um, obviously, we've got a change in the power rankings. There's a new number one, right? So there's a new number one in this week's power rankings. It took almost <laughs> it took almost 19 weeks to have a new number one, but we do. The Los Angeles Lakers passing statement weekend with flying colors, beating the Milwaukee Bucks, who stand at two on Friday, and of course beating the Clippers now. On Sunday, LeBron James pretty much stamping his MVP campaign. I think the race is tied up now. I think it's a really tight race for the last 18 to 20 games in the regular season. But we have a new number one with the Los Angeles Lakers. They've upped their record now to 49 and 13. Mike, their second in net rating. And now they're third in defense and third in offense. Coming at number two, you've got the Milwaukee Bucks, whom they beat. In Friday night with a healthy Giannis. Uh, they haven't missed a beat yet. Although they lost, they're still number one in defense and number one in offense as well. The Clippers stay at three. They moved up a bit, although they're lost on Sunday. And then, of course, this is where we have a whole bunch of mitts, Matt. This, is, this has been a crazy week, Mike. We've got the Toronto Raptors from seven last week to four this week. Mm-hmm. We've got the Oklahoma City Thunder, nobody's hotter than them right now. Yep. That eight to five, they've cracked to that top five spot. And of course, the Jazz coming in at six. Some of the losers that dropped this week, the Celtics went from four to seven. And of course, the Houston Rockets last week, who were number five, dropped to number nine. So that's just a little recap of this week's power rankings. Mike's anything that stands out to you? Yes, I like that. Um the Clippers moved up to number three. I, I love what I'm saying for Toronto. But absolutely with uh, OKC. OKC has been one of those uh, sleeper teams that hasn't been getting a lot of uh, traction in the media. But on the court, they they, they, they speak volumes. They're, their players speaking for them uh, by themselves. I mean, to get to get some road wins. I mean, yeah, yeah, you beat the Knicks on Friday. But then to come in Boston and beat, and beat, beat a healthy Boston Celtics team, it was, that, that was an impressive win. And we've seen this throughout the season with OKC. They seem to win, know how to win on the road. They seem to know how to win those tough games. They seem to have that competitive fervor and that grit and that physicality that you need to win ball games against top teams on the road. And we've seen that all year long from Oklahoma City and Chris Paul, his his uh, mentorship for these young, younger guys has been amazing. Uh, seeing Shea Gildas Alexander continue to blossom and come into his own. Just watching this OKC team has been very special, and uh, I, I, I mean the Lakers. The Lakers deserve to be the number one team right now. Uh, they, the way they played last week, they they were phenomenal. You know they got to beat two teams back to back that they hadn't beaten all year. 
So it was then they were very impressive. And then LeBron and Anthony Davis both put on the show. And that game against the Clippers, the Lakers were just more physical. That, that's what it is. And, you know, normally in a seven-game series, I would think the Clippers would be the more physical team. But on Sunday, they, they were just the better team. They were the more physical team. And I wasn't surprised to see them get the win because I, between the Lakers and the Clippers, both those teams, it's really, surprised, it's really hard to see either one of them go on top of each other 3-0 or 4-0 possibly. That's, it just doesn't sound right. So, so just because of that, I knew the Lakers were going to have to get at least one. And I, and I, um, the Bucks game, the 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 Bucks game, Giannis, it, it seemed like Giannis couldn't find any help. You know, Giannis had thirty two and eleven, but outside of that, it was it was it was easy pickings trying to figure out, trying to stop some of those other players. So it was a great job by the Lakers this week. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks will still be fine uh, moving forward. I know Giannis is going to miss a couple games. I know they're going to be in contention to see who's going to finish at the number one seed at the end of the year because the Lakers are right on their tail. And as far as the MVP conversation is concerned, I would still give the slight edge to Giannis, but LeBron is right there on his heels, and he's gaining traction every moment, game by game. And um, But right now, I would still give the slight nod to Giannis, but it's it's a dogfight right now. It's going to be a great end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be a great end of the season. And I want to focus on the Lakers here, right? So, so the narrative was coming in was that, He's my guy, who I picked. I, I thought Kawhi Island is the best player in the world, and you saw at uh, and you saw at the end of the game, you see Kyle Kuzma, very impressive, takes that crown and places it on LeBron James. But man, in year seventeen, you just have to marvel, Mike, of what what LeBron James is doing. Uh, I I want to know what type of dietary he's on. I, I want <laughs> age and attrition isn't a uh, an issue. Himself and Tom Brady are redefining father time, and it's just incredible what they're doing and how they treat their bodies at such an old age at in their in such a old time in their careers as well. So always impressive to them. I want to focus on the Lakers here because they're impressing to me. Um, I saw what they did on Friday night and I thought that was a game that they needed to have. Obviously the Bucks getting the upper hand, the first meeting that they met up there in Milwaukee, the second time around, I thought defensively what the Lakers did. That that's what they did. They always say good defense leads to uh, a better offense, and no no team is better in the NBA when they, you know, commit themselves in defense and they get out in transition. AD and, and LeBron James out in a fast break. That's where the Lakers, I think, best thrive in, and they, they did that um, Friday night, and they carried that until Statement Weekend on Sunday against the Clippers. You know, the Clippers pride themselves on defense, but. Something that stood out to me, Kyle Kuzma, who really gets a lot of knock and not playing defense. You see him buying in. Yeah. I thought Avery Bradley, especially in that third quarter, who really got cooking. I think he had 11 in that third quarter. Gave him a chance when uh, LeBron James was on the bench, and that's been a huge thing I've been critical on with the Lakers. When LeBron goes to the bench, who's going to take over the scoring punch or or the playmaking punch? And Avery Bradley in both ends. You see him guarding Kawhi Island. You see guarding him. Paul George making it hard for him, although George had it cooking early. Um, I thought Avery Bradley was huge in that second half. So if the Lakers can get contributions from the others outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I think we know what they can give you. Uh, I think we know combined that's 60 points right there. But from the others, guys like Bradley and, and Green and, of course, Caruso's of the world, Takuzma, those guys stepping up, I think that's going to be the trickling effect to see how far the Lakers can go in the postseason. Uh, but Mike, I want to bring this to you. We all seen what happened with Kuzma crowning LeBron James as the best player in the land. Is LeBron James 
at in year 17 still the best player in planet universe i'm gonna have to say no and it, I, I get i still i'm still gonna give the slight edge to Kawhi. i mean lebron james is playing great basketball right now we all know this but when, I, when I'm thinking about the best player in the world right now, I'm thinking about the fact that Kawhi Leonard is going into it, is like starting his prime. He's getting that, that point, and he's continued to get better year after year after year. LeBron James, even though his game has gotten better year after year after year, he's in year 17. So his body isn't physically ready or the same way that Kawhi's is. And based off what I've seen from Kawhi Leonard, the fact that he's the defending champion, he's the uh, – uh, the defending finals MVP, by that alone, everything runs through him. He's the best player in basketball right now. Yep. You're one. But, I, but LeBron is right there. Yeah. LeBron is right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're definitely right there as well. Um, As it stands with the MVP campaign, I, I would agree. I think Giannis still has the upper hand. Uh, Giannis, if you look at the points, assists, rebounds, he's having career years yeah. across the board. You'd ask yourself, how could you top an MVP season? Well, Giannis has done it. He's cross numbers across the board. Even three-point percentage has gone up, although the minutes and the free throw percentage has gone down. This is my Boonholzer taking a toll off his game with the minute restriction, which is good. But I think LeBron James is right there, Mike, and he's got a strong conversation as well, especially when they've met head-to-head this weekend. So uh, where, where does that race stand in your point? The MVP race? Yes. Yes. I'm. I'm still. It's still between Giannis and uh, LeBron James. I haven't seen anybody else can just snap, just uh, jump, force their way into that conversation outright just yet. It's still between Giannis and, and LeBron James. But right now, so far, like I said, I'm going. I'm going with Giannis. I think Giannis right now, so far, uh, it has a slight edge to me. I mean, LeBron James don't matter. He's he's having a phenomenal season. Year 17, he's putting up great numbers. He's having a great season so far. But what Giannis is doing is absolutely dominant. He's doing it on a more consistent basis and. He has the Bucks as the best best record in the league right now, so I would yeah, give, I would give the slight edge the slight edge to Giannis, but LeBron is right there. He's 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 Le- close. Yeah, LeBron is as well. Now I've got a strange one for you for at number three. I, I thought number three should be Luca. What he's done, he's been consistent all year long. Um, some others may say Kawhi, but I've got a name for you. I think Chris Paul deserves a lot of considerations, and that's where I'm going to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Chris Paul. He felt as if that he got bought out of Houston, traded to go to Oklahoma City, a team that we did not have even being in contention for the playoffs. I thought they'd be a lottery pick. We even had Adam Francisco, a writer and beat for the Oklahoma City Thunder on the show and said that if this team got to 35 wins, that would be a a great season. Well, they're at 40 and there's still 20 plus games to play. So, the Oklahoma City Thunder has to be the story of this NBA season, the darlings that's captured America's hearts. But I, I, I want to say Chris Paul has been a, is number three. The mentorship, I've always said Chris Paul may be one of the best leaders in the game. The mentorship to young Shai Gilgis Alexander, to the backcourt of him and, and, and Schroeder and what they've done uh, as well. And this Oklahoma City team, Mike, they just never quit. Nope. They know that they're 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 not the most talented team. They know that they're undermanned, you know, from a talent perspective. But they still come out there night in and not, night out and compete. Billy Donovan never has to question this unit's effort night in and night out. And and to me, as it stands right now, they're a fifth seed right now. I think Chris Paul deserves a lot more MVP consideration. What he what what, what he's you know getting right now. Nobody thought 
Oklahoma City even make the playoff and to be a fifth seed, I think to me that bodes well and that has a lot of weight in a lot of the voters who are going to vote at the end of the season. And to me, Mike, I'm going to say this. As it stands, it would be Thunder and Rockets in round one. And I think that if that were to 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 happen as a matchup, I think that could go to distance in seven because the Thunder present problems for Oklahoma City, especially inside with Adams, with Nerlens Noel, uh, guys like Diallo that can bang inside. And so I'm not sure what the Rockets are doing uh, offensively as in terms of small ball that can neutralize that. So uh, that's something to think about if you're, uh, uh, you know, a, a Rockets fan for sure. Yeah, definitely. Styles make fights. And one, the one thing that the Rockets don't want to go up against in the first round is a tough, gritty OKC team with a big man that can that has moves that can get offensive and defensive rebounds on your team on a consistent basis. So that that would definitely pose as a bad matchup for them. And um, I, I, I actually agree with you as far as, what Chris Paul has meant to this OKC team and how he should be an MVP conversation. The, uh, but you know, you know that in the world of analytics that we live in, they would never give him MVP conversation over Luka Doncic. What Luka Doncic is doing numbers-wise is ridiculous. I mean, I agree with you because I think Chris Paul is a better defender. He actually plays defense. I don't really see Luka play too much defense. I don't. And that That's one of the knocks I have against him is that his offensive game is – is second to almost nobody in the league as far as skill set, being able to shoot, uh, handle the rock, pass the ball, and things of that nature. But, you know, he is, I just don't see that same effort or that same energy on defense. And, and that that's one of my biggest knocks on him. And Chris Paul, what he's doing on both ends, especially in the fourth quarter, one thing I've noticed about this OKC team is Shea Gildas-Alexander would normally dominate for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, Chris Paul will close. He will close the deal. And he's done that. On, a num- on numerous occasions this year, and he's done a great job at it, and he has his team well in the playoff hunting, well uh, on their way to possibly a higher seed. But uh, you're right. I love what I've seen from Chris Paul, but I just I, I doubt that they would even think about having him in the MVP conversation over Luka Doncic. Yeah, here's a stat here for sure. Uh, Chris Paul is one of two active players to have over 9,000 points, obviously he does, and over 9,000 assists. The other one, obviously, the great LeBron James uh, being there as, as well. But I, I, this guy, Chris Paul, I mean, first Valley Hall of Famer. Yep. There's no question. I think his, not, his only knock has been health in postseason. Obviously, the couple years ago, up 3-2 against the Golden State Warriors, he goes down, serious altering, uh, changing uh, uh, injury. And yeah. obviously, you know what happens. The Golden State Warriors yet again win the title. But the only knock to Chris Paul in his entire career has been health. I mean, this guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. There for sure. The production is there consistently on both ends of the floor. I've always said, Mike, with, with, with Luka Doncic, we haven't seen another bird. We've tried to compare We see who's the next Kobe. We've kind of seen mirrors of that. Who's the right. next MJ? Who, uh, maybe who's going to be the next Braun. But we haven't seen the next bird yet. Although my guy played defense, just put it that exactly. But, yeah, but uh, I think Luka Doncic could be that guy. We talk about a six eight guy that can not only beat you in the post, but um, up top on top of the key. Mm-hmm. Um, his the way that he's so cerebral for a twenty year old is just through the roof, right? I, I think uh, Rick Carlisle. I think that's why he was infatuated the first time he seen the ball uh, on Luka Doncic's hands. He said, "Why am I playing this guy?" Uh, off off screens. I'm just going to hand him the ball and let him run offense. And so 
Um, you know, I, I get that bird aspect from him. He, he could dish it. He could score it. He could shoot it. And so um, I, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. But to me, I think Chris Paul as a veteran, as a leader, um, the production where the Oklahoma City has come from nowhere as a lottery team to where they're at now should get it should weigh more in the voters. It should weigh more. It, absolutely. And I actually agree with you. I love what I'm seeing from Chris Paul this uh, in this year for him. And, you know, hats off to Luca. He's having a great year. But what Chris Paul is doing for this team is it's more than just on, off, like on the court. It's off the court, leadership, not, not even just for Shea, but for the whole team, bringing that preparation every game, bringing that, bringing, having them ready to go every single game, not taking nights off. Like, this is, this is a sound, this is a very sound and disciplined basketball team. And Chris Paul has a lot to do with it. Yep. Chris Paul has a lot to do with that. <clears throat> there is well there for sure. Let's talk about um, what happened, the events that happened with Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson, one of the premier young coaches in the NBA. Sean Marks and the Brooklyn organization parting ways with them. I thought that was a bit surprising for them as well. This is a team in the Brooklyn Nets when they had you know, talent, they built a structure. They built a culture there. They've got great added pieces. Now, obviously, they're going to be judged what they do next year with two of the top eight players in the game and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on the same team. But a little bit of a, of a scratching, uh, a little scratch on the head, Mike. Why would the Brooklyn Nets part ways with a great coach like that? Well, I, I, think, the, I think the question we need to be asking is, it's not just, it's, it's not just the Brooklyn Nets. It's Kenny Atkins as well. This was a mutual agreement to part ways. So I think, yes, actually, I know, yes, the Brooklyn team, yes, they wanted to part ways. But it, but because when I read it initially, it said mutually part ways, that means Kenny Atkinson had something to do with this as well. That means he wanted he wanted to get up out of here and possibly transfer, uh, transfer somewhere else as well because, you know, it's just, it's just strange because you could tell that, the Nets are playing the forever game. They 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 clearly see that, you know, their future is Ke- Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and within this ball club later on later on in life later on, uh, down the line, and possibly I'm I'm all, all this is assumption. Possibly the Nets could have been thinking that he wasn't the guy to get them over the hump to win a championship. But based off what I've seen from Kenny Atkinson, he seems like that perfect guy. He seems like right. that. He seems like that guy that could fit. Now, maybe this, maybe he saw a similar situation. Possibly, this is one one of my assessments. Maybe he saw a similar situation, possibly brewing that happened with Kyrie Irving in Boston, where he sat out the rest of the year. Some of the other players got a chance to step up and ball out and prove that they're better than what they are. And you saw what happened uh, when Kyrie Irving came back with the with Boston and you saw how the egos just in that locker room just weren't cutting it with each other. Maybe this is just my assessment. Maybe he saw that coming. Maybe he saw that coming with how Karis LeVert has been balling this last couple weeks. How Spencer Dinwiddie has been balling these last few weeks. And maybe, or all season to be honest with you. And maybe what he said was when Kyrie and KD come back, I don't know if I can be able to manage all these. Maybe, Maybe he ejected himself from a situation he knew he couldn't Put his he, he he couldn't handle next year because next year there the, 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 there needs to be a, a a certain coach to come in to coach Brooklyn next year because you have four dogs that need the ball that are that are need that need 
that that need to be on the same page, and that continuity is going to be key for this Brooklyn Nets team to really take it over and take it to the next level. And maybe they felt like Kenny Atkinson wasn't that guy, and maybe Kenny Atkinson didn't want to take on that mantra and want to deal with those egos. That's, right, my, you, that's my perspective. You make a good point. You make a good point, and I didn't look at it at that angle. Kenny Atkinson... It, much like a Brad Stevens, right? Yeah, he's done more with less. Yes. You know, Brad Stevens came in the t- in with in the game with uh, young assets, young guys, and developed them. What has the Brooklyn Nets done? Develop their young players, the guys like uh, Lover, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, and others as well. And now, all of a sudden, that they are doing well with the production, that's when the egos start coming. Yeah. And of course, and 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 of course, Mike. The Brooklyn Nets, they got some things that they want to do. They've locked in Karis LeVert. I think yep. he's going to be a huge instrumental for them next year, along with Kevin Durant and and uh, and Kyrie Irving, because you need others to step up. And I think he's a guy that they had to lock up. But Joe Harris, his contract is up. You got to do exactly. something. I think with a guy like Kyrie and KD, when the doubles come, you need a sharpshooter and a yep. marksman like that. So yep. you got to pay a Joe Harris. You got to pay a guy like... A Karis Lover and Spencer Witty's Spencer Denwitty's time, excuse me, is coming. So yes. th- th- I think the egos are going to come uh, there as well. But there's there's a there's something that people say you can't put a price on player development, structure, and culture. Exactly. And I think that that's why I believe Kenny Atkinson is going to be one of the hottest names at the end of the season for a coaching job. I could see a team like uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers looking for structure, a young team looking for culture, looking to build something like that. I'd see that as a perfect fit there for Kenny Atkinson because he, trust me, the phone's going to be ringing for him for a job there for sure uh, soon. But I'm going to bring this back to you, Mike, here. So with Kevin Durant and with Kyrie Irving, they got core nucleuses of DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Denwitty, and Lavert and Joe Harris pending free agency if he returns there for sure. So this is a very attractive, very attractive head coaching job for anybody out there. Names have been surling. It's Tyron Lue. Kyrie Irving is vouching for him. Mark Jackson as well, uh, as well, the ESPN analyst. Who do you see is best suited for this next job? Wow. I know Kyrie Irving wants Tyron Luke. I know that for a fact. He's already come out and said that, but ah, it's hard, man. It has to be somebody strong-minded. Sebi, this has to be somebody that can manage egos. Uh, a, a strong-minded head coach, a no-nonsense head coach. And you know who I'm thinking about that could be a perfect fit? Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson could possibly be a great fit for this team because he knows how to manage egos. And I know he's motivated to get another coaching opportunity with some stars, being as how he was fired and let go from the Golden State Warriors the year before they, they got on their championship runs. So I think Mark Jackson will be able to manage those egos in the locker room. I think he's, I think Mark Jackson, actually, I know Mark Jackson has the kind of cachet that uh, KD or Kyrie or Levert or Dinwiddie or Harris or DJ, anybody would, that they would respect and they would like, they, they would run through a brick wall for him because he's that kind of coach. So I think somebody like a Tyron Lue, who already has won a championship with Kyrie Irving, would, would be a great fit. But also I think somebody like Mark Jackson, because those are two non, no-nonsense, uh, headstrong leaders of men. And, and that's the type of coach you're going to need in this locker room for this Nets team to be successful. Yeah, I agree with those picks as well. I think Mark Jackson should definitely consider that um, I, I, there as well. I mean, it doesn't get better. Brooklyn, the 
with that with those talents that he has already, doesn't get better than that as Mark Jackson. We see what he did in three seasons with the Golden State Warriors. I'll give you two more names, Mike. Um, and that would be Mark Jackson's ESPN analyst sidekick. Ah. I think Jeff Van Gundy would be a good, good, good fit as well. Jeff Van Gundy, the things didn't go well with the Knicks. We understand that. <laughs> the Knicks have been a debacle. They've been non-existent for the last, what, 30, 30 years. But you know what? I think this is a great job for him as well. Um, I, I, he can come in. He's a guy that's no-nonsense as well all about structure, and he knows his basketball. Oh, he I did. think he's another guy that could fit, and also um, Fitzdale. I, I think Fitzdale would be great. Hmm. I know it didn't work the last time in New York, but you're going to another team. You could take that train right there to Brooklyn. I think if he has the opportunity to coach this team, he did well in his time in Memphis. He's well-respected around the league. I think he's another guy that can definitely come in and change the culture and potentially propel this team to come out of the Eastern Conference and maybe for a title uh, a run. So those are two other guys that stand out to me. Yeah, no doubt. I, I like both of those picks. I like, I like. of course, I love Jeff Van Gundy because him and Mark Jackson fall in the same category. They have that type of cachet where any player will run through a brick wall for both of them. And Jeff Van Gundy is that type of guy who's going to bring so much life into your organization that you're going to want to play hard. You're going to want to go hard for him. And, um, you know, I, I love David Fisdale. David Fisdale... It wasn't his fault in New York. New York, you know that year they went to the, you know, it, it just it just wasn't. You know he was on that Miami staff with LeBron, won some championships. He understands how how the game goes, and I think that if he gets an, a, a second chance opportunity in Brooklyn with KD, Kyrie, and those guys, I think it would definitely bode well for him again. So I love both of those picks, and I, I know whoever the heck I know for a fact whoever the head coach is going to be for the Nets next year is going to be somebody who's a leader of men and who's a uh, who's got a certain type of cachet about him, you know what I mean? Yeah, certain cachet there for sure. Although you got to ask yourself, Mike, that ESPN check, do you think those guys are going to leave that position? Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. Tough, because we've been, gig. <laughs> say, that, that's the million-dollar question because we've that's been hearing, about, dollar question, right? we've been hearing <laughs> about coaching opportunities for them for for, the, for years now, and they're still they're still where they are. They're still at ESPN calling games. So Yeah, they're still <laughs> at ESPN there for sure. A lot of things to watch out as we dwindle down the NBA season with about less than 20 games left. And, of course, the postseason after that. But, folks, do not go anywhere because when we come back, we shift gears to the collegiate game. That's right. March Madness, less than a week away. Myself and Mike dissect, analyze. And we are back here in the Semi Podcast Radio Show, streaming live inside the studios of WNSC. There for sure, Mike. We are just a week away from March Madness, Mike. Championship weekend for a lot of the conferences. A couple of the mid-major teams have already locked their bid as tournament returns. And, Mike, what are you looking for as we dive in right now to the March Madness brackets. Uh, man, I'm looking for some good, obviously some great competitive basketball, but I'm just looking forward to see some of these, excuse me, some of these teams that are on the bubble that have a chance to get in, but they have to dominate their, excuse me, conference tournament. I'm looking at, you know, so some of the teams, some of the teams like a VCU, 
a VCU that it was was one of one of the four out and possibly not in the tournament. But if they come out and they have a dominating performance here in the tournament and and they win the Atlantic Ten, they're they're in the tournament because you know they they have run the table. But I'm just looking forward to some of those teams that are you know motivated and hungry because they they were slept on in the regular season and it's that time of the year that have kicked up. Like you know Michigan State is one of those teams that hasn't has had a disappointing season. But I'm interested to see how they fair in the Big Ten Championship to a tournament, especially after the run that they've been on for the last couple of weeks. They've been one of the hottest teams in college basketball uh, uh, outright. So I'm just looking forward to seeing some of those hungry, motivated teams uh, surprise and, and obviously the upsets because this has been a confusing basketball season this year. It's been full of upsets. So I'm just looking forward to see more of those as well. Well, definitely there for sure. I want to focus in on the Big Ten, obviously. That is the best league in America for sure. A team that's rounding into Fort Mike, Mike, and that is Tom Izzo's Michigan State Spartans. Michigan yep. State started the, the year eleven and nine, and they haven't been done doing well since. And since then, they're winners of six of their last seven. Cassius Winston is looking like the preseason All American, wooden award nominee yep. that we thought that he'd be. And, and Xavier Tillman, you know what you're getting from them. But I think the difference now with Michigan State is is the arrival of Rocket Watts, their star yes. freshman that they've got, and also Xavier Henry, how they play. I think if they can get contributions from those two guys, that's a dangerous party team you don't want to see in March. It definitely is, and that's my sleeper team, Sebi. I, I, I have my, my favorites who I think could possibly you know, win the championship that, that's been playing great all season long. But if you're talking about a team that could be a sleeper team to, uh, to most in the tournament, and to me it's Michigan State. And it's almost like that every year. Because Tom Izzo and this team has ball club has been there before, and that that veteran presence and that that experience of being this is 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 much is vital in the March Madness tournament. So I think Michigan State is one of those teams that I know for a fact when they when come tournament time they're going to be prepared and they're going to be ready to go. And the moment is not going to be too big for them. Yep. No, the the moment is not going to be too big for them as well. I think right now they have them low as a four seed, even a three seed, but. I can tell you this, if they already want to share the Big Ten a regular season with Maryland, I, I can tell you that if they do well in this conference championship in Chicago, I think that we could have a different story for Michigan State as they look to get better with their seeding coming in the last week of the brackets there for sure. I want to talk about the ACC, Virginia, Louisville, Florida State to you the team to look out for in the ACC? It has to be Virginia, in my opinion. Virginia is one of those teams that, yes, I know they can't score. They don't score a lot of points on every given night. But on any given night, they can score enough points to win, and their defense is elite enough to stop anybody. And they, and that that's the formula that they had last year winning. Obviously, they had a lot of seniors leave and, you know, uh, instead of stuff like that. So, you know, this was a different, this was a, a different team early on in the season. And plus, they got – everybody's best shot coming off a championship. So it was a little bit of struggles and a little ad- ad- adversity here early on in the season, but they started to pick it up later on in the season. And they've been one of those hot teams, almost like Michigan state on this latter part, gearing up for that time of the year, that tournament time where they're, they're ready to defend their crown. I think I, I know for a fact, Virginia is one of those dark horse teams that nobody wants to play and they can really give teams uh, a run for their money, especially in the ACC tournament and also in the March Madness tournament. Yep, definitely there for sure. I've got my eyes on Louisville. I, I think right now, Jordan Nora, we know what they are. They're well coached with Chris Mack. 
former coach of the Xavier Musketeers, but I think they can kind of improve their resume. They weren't a, sh- a share of the ACC regular season, but if they want to improve their seeding come tournament time, I think they're a lock for an at-large bid, but they want to improve that seeding. I-, I think winning the ACC is huge for them as well. And also the Knowles, you know, the Knowles, we know about them. They're always going to be good defensively, but what has been their knock uh, has been offensively. And I think they've got two elite guards right now that could definitely make a difference. So I think those two teams can definitely, uh, you know, shape up their resumes to get maybe in that two to three line uh, going into next Sunday's selection Sunday, excuse me, uh, there for sure. Uh, The Big East, Mike, what what stands out to you? Oh, man. Uh, the, what stands out to me in the Big East is the possibility of a rematch between Villanova and Seton Hall. Those two teams right there, I'm telling you, Sebby, the last time they played, they put on a show. Villanova won by two, but Miles, Miles Powell missed the game, missed the game uh, winning three, but it was a ball game of all ball games. It was one of those games where it was back and forth, nip-tuck the whole game. You really didn't have – you really didn't know who was going to win, and – um if they get a chance to go up against each other in the champion in the uh, in the Big East, it's going to be amazing. But I'm also looking at teams. You know, you got Villanova, you got the Seton Halls, but you got a couple teams like Butler and Creighton that can really make some noise and make some noise in this in this tournament. Because whenever you have shooting or with Butler, Butler they have veterans, they have a great coach in Laval Jordan, and they have shooting from you know Sean McDermott and guys like Kamar Baldwin who can take over a ball game. So. I've always been a fan of Butler and how they're able to win ball games. And then Creighton, on the other hand, Creighton is one of those uh, physical teams that, yes, I know they they sometimes seem to, you know, not get up for the for the for the games they're supposed to win. But when they go against high level competition, we've seen them show where even even if they lose, they compete at a high level and they always gear up. And then that's what they're going to be in this tournament. But um, I definitely have to look at Georgetown too because even though Georgetown hasn't had the season that they uh, wanted to have or projected to have this year with the injuries that they've had, even without Mac McClung and Omer Yurt seven, this team is still competitive and, and, and has still, you know, this is the same team that took Villanova to the brink on Saturday and should have beat them. And they lost by one point. This is the same villain, uh, Georgetown team without Mac McClung and Yurt seven that beat a Butler team on the road. This is the same Georgetown team that has marquee wins this season against some top teams has beaten Creighton already this year. You know, this, this, it's one of those, it's one of those things where, if, if Georgetown aligns, and they got to play St. John's on Wednesday afternoon, tomorrow night at 7, I'll be there. But if Georgetown can win that first game, and possibly depending on the matchup of who they place, that is a team nobody in the Big East wants to play because that's a team playing with house money. Nobody expects anything from Georgetown. They just expect them to lose in the first round and get out of there. But Georgetown is, has been too resilient this year. I've seen it too much, Sebi. Georgetown has been too resilient this year to go out without a fight. They will fight. They will scratch. They will claw. And I'm, I'm interested to see a very competitive, uh, uh, hard-nosed Big East tournament. Yep, the guy, the, the, the Georgetown, the Georgetown guy himself, Georgetown town himself for sure. Mike, um, we all know about Seton Hall. We all know about Villanova, um, well-respected. Jay Wright, an elite coach, rightfully in his own. But I'm looking at a team like Creighton, Mike, because shooting in March. And yes. to me, I watched that Seton Hall versus Creighton matchup and Zagorensky, Mike, and, and, and Alexander, Mike, I'm, I'm here to tell you, if Creighton is making shots, much like last year's Auburn team, if Creighton is making shots, 
they yeah. can beat anybody out the gym. Now, obviously, they've got the great home court advantage in Omaha, and and when they get up on you, they make uh, about what 14, 13 a game that could just blow you out the water. But in March, in neutral site games, that's that's a big if. But if they can make shots, that's a dangerous, dangerous maybe five or six seed that you do yes. not want to see uh, uh, in the tournament because. Between Zagoransky, between Alexander, if they're making shots, it is just hard to stop them. I think Zagoransky started, what, five for five from the three-point line. He had it cooking early. Uh, I know Seton Hall made a a push early on, but second half, it was all Blue Jays all day. And so I think Creighton, to me, entering this Big East tournament, if they could start making shots, I mean, look out uh, uh, there for sure. And um, Villanova to me as well, it's been impressive, Mike. Uh, I don't think the the national spectrum know who Sadiq Bey is, but this Sadiq Bey guy is coming yeah. to his own, right? There, there's been the greats, right? There, there's been the greats like Josh Hart, DiVincenzo, you know, guys about like Archie Diacono, but I think this guy may be the next, Miles Bridges as well, maybe the next great Nova ball player. And entering March, you need guys that can get you a bucket, right? They need yeah. guys that can get you a bucket. And so I think Villanova as well, Right now, I think they haven't projected it in the two line, but of course, they're still bubbling in on that one line. So we'll see who wins that Big East there for sure. Yeah, definitely, and I, I agree with you about Creighton. But the, I think that I know I know for a fact the thing that has people so hesitant to go with Creighton and to be to buy all in on them is the fact that they're so inconsistent. You see them play tough against those competitive teams, but then against teams that they should dominate, they should win, they lose uh, sometimes. So it's it's one of those – they're one of those inconsistent ball clubs that, you know, they have to find their way and find their rhythm. But you're absolutely right. They Once they're hot, they're hot, and they can beat almost anybody. Yeah, they could definitely beat anybody there for sure. I want to talk about some of the mid-majors. The first team to lock up their bid on last Saturday was Utah State, right? Utah yep. State, to me, um, uh, beat them there. They've got this guy, man. I, I watched them. Well, this is familiar to me because I this was well-interested in watching this game because the Aztecs were 30 and one. They got this guy in Malachi Flynn, who's a wooden award finalist. He's that, that's a bad man, Mike Malachi Flynn from San Diego state. And so wanted to see him for the first time on national TV on CBS, but I left the game watching Sam Merrill, who hit that big game winner for the mountain West championship final over the contested hands. Uh, I forgot the young gentleman for uh, San Diego State. But to me, San Diego State should still get as an at-large bid. I know they're a lower mid-major conference. They're probably not going to get in that one line because they didn't win the tournament and they've got two losses now, especially with not a, a, a one of those small conferences, although they've got big wins, right? They've got big wins against uh, Iowa and some other teams as well. But uh, Utah State, a guy like Sam Merrill, are they one of the Cinderella teams that could potentially get in and make some noise? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Because, you know, you have you have tough physical teams and then you have those finesse teams. And Utah State is one of those teams that can get gritty and grimy with anybody. And they can also score. They can score the basketball. And um, Utah State is one of those teams that, you know, normally when we come into the tournament, we have those – we have the preseason favorites. We have the – the teams that have been playing stellar basketball throughout the season, then we have the favorites going into the tournament. Utah State is one of those teams that strikes me as they've been the, they've been the slept-on team all season long, 
riding the, they've been under the radar winning games and being competitive in college basketball and then all of a sudden come tournament time when everything's clicking all of a sudden they and they run into the right matchup they can definitely upset some ball clubs and that's that's what I see with Utah State Utah State strikes me as one of those teams that can just that can upset the uh the right team the right matchup at the right time yeah definitely there for sure folks start to get familiar with this name Sam Merrill a tough yes. shot maker and a tough shot taker and crunch and high leverage moments there for sure the sec it's obviously going to go through kentucky right kentucky being the crown of the crown in the sec but of course you got teams like auburn that can make some noise where do you see at the sec as the sec tournament start begins on wednesday oh man i think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough man you got kentucky's you got the auburn's um it's, it's, it's gonna be it's going to be very interesting, but I think it's going to come down between those two, those two teams. And if I had to make my bet, I'm going to go with Auburn. I just love, I'm Sebi, you know this. I've been saying this since last year. I am a huge Bruce Pearl fan. I love that brother. I would run through a brick wall for Bruce Pearl if he was my head coach, you know. And I just think I know those guys would do the same thing, and I know they'll come ready to play for him, and I know they'll they'll give their all. And you know, this Auburn team is very physical. They play great defense. And um and they cannot they can knock down consistent shots. So I'm gonna go with Auburn. I'm gonna go with Auburn. Uh, I, I really see them coming out. Uh, it's gonna be dog. It's gonna be a dog fight. It's gonna be close games throughout. But I think it's gonna come down between Auburn and Kentucky. And I give the slight edge to Auburn. Yes, Auburn has one of those great shooters, Samir Dowdy, and also yep. McCormick, uh, returning there. Auburn looking to make it back to back appearances in a Final Four in Atlanta this season there as well any sleepers that we're not talking about mike any sleepers that if they get in uh that could really uh, shake some noise maybe a mid-major school that we're not talking about wow a mid-major school that we're not talking about if i had to pick somebody i'm gonna roll i'm gonna roll with um huh i gotta do it i gotta roll with vcu seven i have to do it i have to do it because VCU has been injury riddled all season. They've, you know, fighting. They've been fighting. They went from last year being the hunter to this year being the hunted. And um, this, they're still one of those those deep teams. This is a very deep basketball team when they're fully healthy, and um, they play great defense. Uh, they can knock down shots against anybody, and they're very well, exceptionally well coached by head coach Mike Rhodes. Uh, if VCU gets into the tournament. They're going to surprise somebody this year because they're motivated. They know that they didn't, they didn't play their best this season in the regular season. They didn't play the same in, uh, in defense. They didn't have the same defensive intensity that they had uh, in previous years. They're motivated to try to right this wrong and turn this over. And if they, if they win this, if they win this uh, Atlantic 10 tournament this weekend in Brooklyn, I'm telling you, VCU is going to be one of those teams that nobody wants yep. to face. That's a great pick there. I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes of Iowa. I've been a huge Luca Garza fan all year long, man. This guy and Luca Garza, man, what a player is he? I mean, that's a, that's really a, a bad man. He he is really something else, yep. Mike. Um, he can really score that ball yeah. inside. I think he's twenty three and nine as a big guy, and they've got shooters surrounded all around him and Weinskamp. And I think in the tournament. You need a guy that can get you some buckets, some easy buckets down low, some easy uh, uh, scoring inside, even at the free throw line where he shoots almost 80% of, as a big. And so, to me, I'm here to tell you, Mike, the Iowa Hawkeyes have a potential chance to make it to the Sweet 16. 
Yeah, no, nah, no doubt. When you have when you have a lights out score like Lucas Garza that can carry you, especially in the crunch time when you know palms get sweaty and sometimes it's hard to find a shot, you definitely have a chance to go far. And you know, I love the, I like this Iowa team because I like how they play defense. I like how they defend on all levels. Their length is very physical, and um, I, I, I'm I'm really a fan of this, this Iowa team. Definitely, if they play the cards right in the right matchups, they can definitely make some noise in this tournament and go further than the Sweet Yeah, definitely. There, they've got all the recipes and ingredients to definitely make a run this year. Uh, what about the Darlings? You've got Dayton. You've got San Diego State. You, you've got teams like Florida State uh, That's that, that are not a lot of people are, are talking about. right? You've got Oregon's with one of my favorite players in the game and Peyton Pritchard. So uh, to you, uh, yeah. any of these teams that we need to look out for? Because we know stars are made in March. Yeah, Florida State is definitely one of them. They're one of those teams that's been knocking on the door for years and years, and I think they, I know they have the team to to make it happen. And you know that that length and that the size of these guys has always been has always been a problem for for, for college basketball. And, and you know teams very seldomly find a, a way to way to stop them. So I think Florida State is one of them for sure. And um, yeah, I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stay with I'm gonna stay with the okay, Seminoles. You stay with the Seminoles uh, there for sure. That's they're they're playing very good basketball under the instruction of Leonard Hamilton there for sure as well. Um, I, I can't count out Mark Few's team. I, I know Gonzaga, they finally broke broke through a couple of years ago, make it to their first final four, making it to the title game, led by Nigel Williams Goss. But you know, you can't you when in the tournament, if you're big, big never gets small. They've got those two towers, seven footers inside, and I think Killian Tilly who didn't play a lot of games last year because they had Brandon Clark and Rui Hachimura last year. He missed a lot of time, but they had that three-headed monster late. But Killian Tilly, to me, is still a guy that can really make some noise in the tournament. And Mark Few, an underrated coach in today's game, so I can't count Gonzaga out as well. My only concern to them is when they face very, very physical teams that want to beat them up, hand-check them and beat them up and stuff. That's the concern, but you can never count the Bulldogs out. No, you sure can, especially now with those two horses in the paint. They really play inside out. And um, from there, uh, when you have that that level of guard play, I mean, there, you, you're, you're, it bodes well for the bodes immense success. So, you know, you can't, you can't count this guy. Can't count Gonzaga out is all well there for sure. Another hot team uh, to me, the Ohio State Buckeyes. We know about the Westons, Caleb Wesson uh, and, and, and his brother Andre Wesson as well. But Ohio State, all of, a, all of a sudden, winners of five of their last seven in there as well. And I'm going to stick to a team with you as well, the Maryland Terrapins. They haven't showed up. They got blown out the door a couple of days ago um, at Rutgers. Um, but to me, Mike, uh, like I said, the best conference in America – a team like the Maryland Terrapins and Ohio State, where do you see them? Ohio State, I see them definitely in the thick of things. Uh, I, I think Mer- I would give Maryland the slightest edge because um, I just love what I'm – I just love uh, from Maryland because, you know, yes you, had a, yes, you had a loss against Michigan State. You weren't ready for that game. Like, that moment was too big for you. And then you had the blowout loss at Rutgers, a team that was fighting for their uh, uh, tournament lives. You come back. You come back on on um, you know Sunday, and then you have a matchup, and that 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 you win. You know you you won you won your matchup on Sunday 
against the Michigan team. And uh, I, I think that right there alone is a confidence booster to go into the Big Ten tournament and go into possibly the March Madness tournament and let them know, hey, guys, you know, we don't need a three-game losing streak going into. I think that getting that win against Michigan really propels them and really give them a different level of confidence. But I love this Ohio State team, too, as well, because this Ohio State team has four wins this year against top ten, top ten teams. And they've been very competitive all year. And this Ohio, but, but I would give the slight odds to Maryland because Maryland just – they've been more consistent this year. Yeah, something tells me the Big Ten may do something special in March. Something tells me a couple oh, yeah. teams in the Big Ten – may do something well and special in March there for sure. But all of this will be revealed. Selection Sunday. This Sunday. Selection Sunday. Again, this Sunday, we'll know who owns the East region, the West region, the South region, and, of course, the Midwest region uh, there for sure. And as we wind down, Mike, um, for tonight's show, any hot takes that you want to give? I I know – we, we, we haven't had the brackets that come out yet to you, um, but any hot takes that you want to do as we went down tonight? Yes. Um, I'm going to say this. There's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a surprise championship winner in the ACC, the SEC, the big East and the big 10. Wow. The, the favorites are not going to win in either of those conferences. There's going to be a, a new champion in all of those conferences. There's going to be an upset. There's going to be some a team that has that no one is on the radio, no one expected to win, are going to win all four of those conferences. Ah, wow, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's that's what college basketball has done to us this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that that's exactly uh, there for sure. I've got. Uh, a hot take. I, I think we all know who's going to be the number ones. I think Kansas is in that one line. I would say Gonzaga deserves to be in that one line as well. Maybe it's not mm-hmm. San Diego State. We'll, we'll see what happens with them uh, because of the ACC, the, the SCC, and the Big Ten uh, um, tournaments, right. what, what happened with them there as well. But I'm going to say this. I think one and potentially two teams make it to the Elite Eight, and we might see a send another Cinderella team in the Final Four, much like the Loyola Chicago Ramblers last year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Possibly a Lehigh, somebody like that, some, some, like one of those type teams is what you're yeah, talking about? Uh, one of those Cinderella teams that we're not talking about. I'm telling you, man, watch out for that Utah State team. They are dangerous. I got a chance yeah, yeah, to watch yeah, them. Yeah, so. definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Utah, Utah BYU, BYU is another one. BYU, even though they suffered a tough loss last night to St. Mary's, yes, BYU definitely deserves to be in that conversation. Yeah, for sure. The for beauty sure. of March, you just never know what's going to happen in March there for sure. And as we wind down tonight's show here inside the studios at WSC, we want to say so long from now and hot scorching evening. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there. 
at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.